Well, today we're continuing our series, which is called God's Plan for Your Finances. God's plan is revealed to us in His Word in the Bible. The Bible is our guidebook for life. God's Word is the key that unlocks the secret of having a great life, the life that God created each one of us to live. So let's begin by reading a verse about God's Word from Joshua 1.8. Now in the middle of your program is a, a white page that has these verses written out. You can follow along there or on the screen. Joshua 1.8 says, the book of the law shall, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Now this was a promise that God spoke to Joshua as he was leading the nation of Israel, but it applies to each one of us as well. Prosperity and success in God's eyes do not happen automatically. We have a part to play. We have a responsibility. And in this verse, God lists three conditions for success in life. First of all, we are to not let the law depart from our mouth. In other words, we are to talk about God's word. Talk about God's word with your family. Talk about God's word in life groups. Small group Bible studies, if you're not part of one, you should be. Talk about God's Word with your friends. Talk about it. Don't hide it. Secondly, meditate on God's Word day and night. What does that mean? To meditate on God's Word is to think about it. To think about what it means. To think how you can apply it to your life. Meditate on it. Think about it. Don't just read through for the day and whip through your chapter for the day and be done with it. Meditate on it. And why should we talk about God's word? Why should we meditate and think about God's word so that we're careful to do God's word, to apply it to our lives, to put it into practice? Because if we don't put it into practice, we don't reap the benefit. And as we do those three things, we talk about God's word, we meditate on God's word, and we apply it, put it into practice, then God's promise for us is that we're going to have a prosperous life, we're going to have success in life. And so today we're going to talk about some practical guidance from God's word uh, called a practical plan for generous giving. We're going to talk about how God can bless you in your finances. When God blesses us in our finances, our needs are met number one, and secondly, we're going to have enough to be a generous giver. Now, if you think about it, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? To have all your needs left met and have enough left over to be able to give to help somebody else. 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. And so God wants us to be made, to be enriched in every aspect of our lives. He wants us to have enough to meet our needs. He wants us to have enough to be generous givers. And how are we enriched? Well, let's look at the previous verse, 2 Corinthians 9.10. A very important verse. It says, He, that is God, who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. 
Now, this verse really is the basis for our picture. I don't know if anybody's thought about our picture. Uh, the pictures I put up there are supposed to have some meaning. So there's some money there, right? And then we see some wheat stalks and a, and a harvest of wheat. And so we're going to see from this verse how as God gives us a seed to sow, that we can have a great harvest. So God, first of all, he meets our needs. He gives us bread for food. It says he who supplies bread for food. God is the one who supplies our basic needs. He gives us food to eat. He meets our needs for physical provision. But God has given you and I something beyond just bread for food. God has given you seed to sow. He supplies seed to the sower. Now, what happens if a farmer eats all of his seed? Because he's hungry. Is he going to have a harvest? No, he's not going to have a harvest. So God supplies our needs, and then he gives us something extra, some seed to sow. Now, we could eat that seed, and a lot of people do eat their seed, and then you're not going to have a harvest. But the seed that God gives us, over and above the bread that we need to meet our needs, is made to sow. God has given you some resources that are not for you to consume. He's given you some resources that are for you to sow, to give away. Now, it might not be a lot, but if you sow it by giving, whatever you sow, God's going to give you a harvest. In return, it's going to grow up and give you a harvest. And what is the point of the harvest? The point of the harvest is not simply to increase uh, so that you can eat it as well. It's to increase, it will multiply your seed for what? For sowing. So that you can sow more. So God gives you a harvest so that you can sow even more. So that you can give generously in the future. And so this morning we're going to look at this three-step practical plan to become generous givers. First of all, we need to think like godly servants. First Corinthians, uh, well, let, before we look at this verse, let's say that we tend to think of ourselves as, as captains of our own fate. We, we are the ones that are in control. We do our own thing. But as a believer, we are not the captains of our own ship. We are not our own persons. We are servants of God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen to 20 says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You might want to underline that. You are not your own. I am not my own. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And so Jesus Christ paid an enormous price by coming on the cross, uh, allowing himself to be crucified and dying for you and me. He, he paid a price to purchase you as his servant, actually as his slave. He is our master. He is our Lord. We are his slaves. We are not our own. We are God's. And so to become generous givers, we've got to begin to think like godly servants or godly slaves. We understand that God owns everything. Psalm 50, verse 9 and 10 says, God says, I will not accept a bull from your house or, or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. And so these verses tell us in a poetic way that God owns what? Everything. 
Absolutely everything is his. He created this planet. He created everything on, on it, and it's all his. And so if you and I are servants of God, God, our master, owns everything. He, he really defines what being rich is. He, he owns this whole world. He owns this whole planet. In fact, he owns the whole universe. And so if God owns everything, then nobody, believer or not, really owns anything on this earth. God has simply allowed people to use some of his stuff, some of his things. He's allowed us to use it. And so not only must we understand that God owns everything, we must believe that everything we have comes from God. 1 Timothy 6.17 says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so God is the source of everything that you and I have. God is the source of our life. God is the source of our job. He's the source of our family. He's the source of our money. And so we are not to put our hopes in money. We are not to put our hopes in our possessions. We are not to put our hopes in anything but in God alone because God is our source. God is the one who supplies everything we have. Every good gift that we have comes down from the Father of lights. And God wants you to enjoy life. He doesn't want you to be sad. He doesn't want you to be desperate. Uh, he doesn't want you to not have enough. He wants you to enjoy life as his servant serving him. God wants to bless his servants, and we'll see why in a, in a few minutes. So we need to think like godly servants. Now, when a child hits teen years, a curious temptation tends to afflict uh, early teenagers, at least, and sometimes later teenagers. Teenagers are tempted to think that once they hit the teen years, their knowledge has taken an enormous leap forward, and their parents' knowledge has gone into great decline. And so all of a sudden, the teenager thinks that he knows far more than his parents. And the teenager thinks he really doesn't need to ask his parents much of anything anymore because they wouldn't know the answer anyhow because he already knows the answers to every question that he might possibly have. Now, as a Christian teen, God can help you to resist this vile temptation, okay? <clears throat> And God can help you to continue to learn from your parents that God has put in your life to counsel you and to help you have success in life. But as believers, we are also tempted to think that we know more than our Heavenly Father. That we know so much, we know how to handle our finances, we know how to chart our course in life, and we really don't need to consult with God. But we must acknowledge that not only does God own everything we have, but God has plans for everything we have. God has plans for us, plans for us to serve him, plans for us to use the resources he's entrusted to us to carry out his purposes. And so as a believer, we, we need to think like a godly servant in handling the things that God has entrusted to us. And as we do that, we'll be able to keep 
our debt and overspending in check. Because before we make any significant purchase, who do we check with? We check with God because we're going to be spending not our money, but God's money. And we are his servants. So train your thinking to think like a godly servant, a godly servant who is accountable to his master for everything that he has. And so not only must we train our minds to think like godly servants, we must learn to act like trusted managers. So once we start thinking like a servant, once we acknowledge that the things we have are not really ours, once we acknowledge that God has a plan for us today, tomorrow, and for the rest of our lives, then our actions will begin to change. We'll begin to realize that we are accountable for our handling of all the resources that God has entrusted to us. Absolutely nothing is ours to do with as we please. Not our time, not our talents, and not our treasure. So how can we act like a trusted manager of God's resources? Well, first of all, God wants us to learn to be a generous giver. Who is the most generous giver that's ever existed? God, Jesus. They've given, he's given everything he had to us, his most precious possession. But let's look at 1 Timothy 6, which tells believers what they are to do with everything that God has provided. It says they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. And so God tells us four things we're to do with the things he's entrusted to us. We are to do good. Obviously not bad. We're to do good things. We are to be rich in good deeds. We are to uh, do things that serve others, that serve God. We are to be generous. We are to be ready to share. In other words, we're to be generous givers because we're children of a generous father. We're to be like him. Freely we have received from God. Freely we are to give to others. And what happens when we give? Well, God will renew our supply so that we can continue to give as he meets our needs. God wants us not only to be generous givers, he wants us to be cheerful givers. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 and 8 says, Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And so when we truly understand the biblical principles that we're talking about today, you and I can be cheerful givers. Not like, oh, I guess I have to do this. I really don't want to do it, but I have to do it because... The preacher said I had to. Or, yeah, I, I agree, I guess God's word says I'm supposed to give. I really don't want to. No, God wants us to be cheerful givers. In fact, it says God loves cheerful givers. Now, I think the implication here is that if you're giving under compulsion, God, God doesn't love that. That's not what he wants. He wants you to give cheerfully. And how can you be a cheerful giver? Well, God, God explains it in verse 8. When you're a cheerful giver, what does God do? He's able to make all grace abound for you. Look at how many times the word all is in that verse. All grace abounds to you. 
having all sufficiency in all things at all times. That sounds like all my needs are going to be met, doesn't it? And so God will supply everything that we need. We can abound in every good work as we are cheerful givers. The point is that you can't lose in giving to God. You'll always receive more in return than you gave. Why? So that you can continue to be a cheerful giver and continue to be blessed by God. Thirdly, as a trusted manager, we should be a generous giver, we should be cheerful givers, and we should be a disciplined giver. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says, On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And so this was a particular case, but I want us to pull out some general principles that I believe that will help us to be disciplined givers. First of all, in this case, he's talking about giving regularly. Uh, this instructions here were particularly to give every week. Uh, typically, people are paid Weekly or bi-weekly, some people are paid monthly. Um, and so it kind of makes sense that if you're going to give to God when your income comes in, that you should give regularly. I mean, does your boss pay you at random intervals? Anybody? You know, you're not quite sure when he's going to pay you. It might be this month, might be three months from now. But yet that's how some people give, right? Kind of at random intervals. God wants us to be disciplined givers when you're... Receive your income, uh, you give regularly. What happens uh, when you're sick or on vacation? Well, in days past, you know, if you weren't in church to put your check in the offering plate, you didn't give. Uh, I guess you could mail it in. That didn't ever, hardly ever happen. But uh, today, you can give online. If you're sick or on vacation, you can't be here, it's easy to give online on a Realm website. In fact, we encourage people to set up recurrent giving. If you have a regular paycheck that comes in and you know uh, what percentage you're going to tithe out of that, you can set up recurrent giving and it just goes automatically. We are to give personally. It says each one of you, it was addressed to the whole church at Corinth. That includes everybody. And so if you're a parent here today, you have children, teach your children to give regularly. Children that learn to give regularly at a young age find it easy to continue as they grow up. Give systematically. Set aside a sum of money. Pray and plan what you're to give. Last Sunday we talked about the tithe in more detail. 10% of your income. Set your tithe and offerings aside first. When you get paid. Give God first place in your life. The Bible talks about giving him the first fruits. Give proportionally. It says in keeping with your income. You know, some church traditions teach everybody should give a certain amount, a certain dollar amount, but that's not biblical at all. The Bible teaches that we are to give a percentage of our income proportional giving. The tithe is 10%. So if you make more money, your tithe is greater. If you make less money, your tithe is smaller. Uh, it's pretty simple to be a disciplined giver. Now, we are tempted not to be trusted managers of God's resources. We are tempted to think that we know how to manage our money uh, better than God does. We're tempted to believe that the money we have is my money. So I'd like us to watch a short video clip called uh, My Money. Well, the man's first mistake was to say my money. 
Uh, it's really God's money. And God wants us to put him first on the list and keep him first. And then he will make sure there's enough left to meet the true needs that we have. It might not meet our wants, uh, but it will meet our needs. And so a disciplined giver always gives his tithes and offerings to God's church first and then uses the rest to meet his needs under God's direction. And so giving to God can be one of the most exciting parts of a believer's life because God will bless you in amazing supernatural ways as you follow his principles. Finally, we are to feel like a precious child. A parent trains their children for the future, and God trains you for the future through giving. First Timothy 6, verse 19 says, Thus storing up treasure for themselves is a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And here God is saying that if you are a generous giver, you are actually laying up treasure in heaven. Jesus taught about that. Don't lay treasure up for yourself on earth, but lay up treasure in heaven. And through giving, you are being trained for eternity because in eternity, there's going to be different rewards. There's going to be different responsibilities for different believers. And how we serve God on this earth, how we handle God's resources on earth, Jesus taught whole parables about this, is, is going to determine your responsibility, your blessing, your reward in eternity. Which is going to last how long? Like forever. So it's pretty important what we do on this earth. How we handle God's resources on earth will determine our reward in our future, not only in heaven, not only in eternity, but on this earth as well. Those who are faithful, Jesus taught, God's word teaches, with a small amount of resources that God has entrusted to them, what will God do? God will give you more. And when you're faithful with that, God will give you more to be responsible for. But if you're not responsible with the resources that God gives you, what will he do? He's going to take away rather than give. So allow God to train you through giving. And as you do that, as God's child, God will provide for you. Philippians 4, 18 and 19. Paul writes, he says, I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. A fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now the second part, verse 19, the last, the last verse is one that everybody Claims. That's their promise. You know, God, my God will supply every one of my needs according to his riches and glory. Now, we need to see who was that promise given to. Well, Paul here is writing to the church at Philippi. Paul had served there basically uh, as a missionary pastor. He'd served the people and the people had given him financial gifts to support his ministry. And those gifts were a, a sacrifice they were a sacrifice. It uh, wasn't easy for the people to give to meet Paul's needs, but they were pleasing to God. And because those believers had been generous givers to the work of God through Paul, Paul could write to them and give them a promise. The promise was that God was going to supply every one of their needs because they had been generous givers. And so the same is true for us today. 
As we give to God, He promises to meet all of our needs. But children who don't obey their father, children who aren't learning to be generous givers, you can't expect to claim that promise that every one of your needs is going to be met. And so as a child of God, our Heavenly Father is committed to training and providing for each of us as we learn to be generous givers. Now, Doug already mentioned this, but I'm going to uh, reiterate it, is to help each one of us learn to be more uh, learn more about God's biblical principles for finance. We're offering this Financial Peace University. is beginning just in, this is going to, what, about three weeks away, March 13th. And so I'd like you to take out the handout in your bulletin. It says Financial Peace University. And uh, there are a lot of topics covered here. Uh, this is not just uh, a, a class on Tithing. This is it's. Uh, there's. Let's look at the topics that are going to be covered. Lesson one: super saving. And a lot of people today aren't saving anything. Not good. The Bible talks about saving. Lesson two: relating with money. It's really talking about the relationship between husbands and wives. What What is one of the main causes of conflict in marriage? One of the main causes of a divorce. Money. Different ideas about how to handle money. How to be on the same page with your spouse. Uh, lesson three, cash flow planning. How to make a budget and how to keep on track with a budget. I don't know the percentages. My guess is the number of people who really budget is pretty low. And it's pretty hard to keep track of your income and expenses if you don't have a budget. Lesson number four, dumping debt. We talked a couple, I think last Sunday, about how many people are in debt. It's an enormous, I mean... Hugely in debt. How do we get out of debt? How do we avoid getting out of debt? What could be a reasonable debt for a while? And what is unreasonable debt? Lesson five, buyer beware. There's all kinds of scams out there that sucker people into doing foolish things with their money. How can you, how can you determine what is a scam? How can you determine what is, is a a good thing to buy and what is not in your buying decisions, your use of money. Number six, the role of insurance. All kinds of insurance. Uh, number seven, retirement and college planning. Number eight, real estate and mortgages. And then number nine, the great misunderstanding, the power of generous giving. So a lot of topics. Now, not every topic is going to apply to you perhaps at your stage in life, but you're going to learn not only for yourself, but for others that you might be talking to, others that you might need to counsel. I'm going to give you a very short video here uh, from uh, Financial Peace University about helping your family get a plan. So again, we encourage you to sign up. On the bottom of that handout is a, a website address. You go through there and uh, you can sign up online. I encourage you to do that today so you can get your materials. They're going to come to you in the mail. And you need to have your materials, or it would be very helpful to have your materials before the class starts on Tuesday, March 13th. Now, if you can't make, some people may have work or other uh, conflicts, if you can't make Tuesdays, nights, uh, actually, the class is completely available online. And uh, you can watch the videos online, do the homework. Uh, we 
encourage you to take it with the whole class because there's discussion in the class that you're going to miss out on, but you could take it online if that's the only option for you. And so if you have any questions, contact uh, Calvin, and he'll tell you more about that. You might have friends and relatives who could... No, you do have friends and relatives, not might. You do have friends and relatives who could benefit from this class. So tell them about it too. And uh, it's not just for people in the church. Other people uh, could take it. So God wants to bless you as his child. And uh, this is one way that you can learn more about it. And so to be a generous giver, we think like godly servants. We act like trusted managers. And we feel like precious children. And as we continue to grow in our giving and our understanding, God is going to bless us more and more. Now, to become a child of God which is really the first important step in doing the things we talked about today. We need to admit that we've sinned. We need to believe in Jesus to forgive our sins and we commit our lives to him as our Lord. So I'd like to ask us to bow, ask you to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray a simple prayer. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you that you are a good father that you love us, that you have good plans for us as your children. God, we today admit that we've done wrong things. We've sinned. And that has separated us from you, our Father. We believe that Jesus died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. Please forgive us. Forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you as my Lord, as my Master. I will serve you as your servant. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.